Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbal. Thanks for hanging out. Welcome to it. It's Hale Varsity Radio with you on Thursday, powered by Cornhead Lager. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and you can find us and do so on the YouTube channel, Hale Varsity YouTube. can watch the show that way. Uh, listen and follow, of course, on the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed at HVarsity Radio. Give Elijah a follow at Herbal Essence at Schmidt underscore radio. Roll call. You have, uh, let me get to the top top. I mean, it's crowded and uh, more room for you to jump in. Can also dial us up at 489-1240 or 800-825-5865. Dion back in first, followed by Anthony, then Tuck, Chopper, and Brian checking in. There's your starting five. I think we'll just title it that. The first five that get into the stream. We'll call it the starting five, but there's obviously room. You can email the show, Chris, at hailvarsity.com. So uh, it's not a you know gentle little Thursday as you go in to your holiday travel, the busiest travel day of the year today, and that extends through tomorrow and into the weekend for uh, you and your family. If you're heading out, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. Uh, you have news on the quarterback room. Uh, We'll get to what's out there on Casey Thompson. You've got a special visitor for Nebraska in uh, Dante Dowdell from Oregon the first week of January, where it's going to be just like it's been and will be the next couple, three days here in the eastern part of Nebraska, mid to upper 50s, with a little sprinkle here and there, because that's always December weather, right? It'll roll off a former Ducks back. And, and, and be okay. But, Elijah, how are you shaking, man? Uh, no, you can take a little bit of a breath, but still uh, some grind here as Nebraska, a lot of moving parts still. A lot of moving parts, as you say. Casey uh, Thompson, news on him today. Chubba Purdy taken to Twitter, officially mm-hmm. announcing his intention to enter the portal with two years left of eligibility. A lot of question marks in that quarterback room, as you said, is Nebraska uh, as a lot of people assume right now, turning the keys to the kingdom over to Dylan Riola is there going to be a a mentor of sorts, grad transfer type quarterback to come in and and show Dylan Riola the ropes of college football? There's still a lot of unanswered questions post signing day that I don't think we're going to have answered till probably post Christmas, Schmitty. No, we won't. And let's get you that Casey Thompson news. But first, before we dive in there, let's just ask you, and I'll have a thought. Elijah will have a thought, but. Overall, how do you feel about the quarterback room as it stands, as it sits right now? And on one hand, you're ecstatic that you've got not just one, but two freshman talents to be groomed and developed. 
and uh, go do big things for Nebraska. You're, you're still smiling. You're still jacked about Dylan Raiola. Two really good stories. And Mitch Sherman from The Athletic, he puts the timeline together. His story that just published, I think, this morning on uh, you know what eventually kind of swayed Dylan Raiola. Uh, same with Sam McEwen from the World Herald. Shout out to both those guys. Great work on that. So uh, some thoughts on, on what they wrote. And to me, I look at this quarterback room, and we've had this conversation, right? We, we talked about it during the season. You know, Nebraska being a quarterback away from what? And, and you can find a quarterback. What kind of quarterback play do you get? Moving on, and it's it's an issue, man. It is an issue for everybody that is a head coach, that's an offensive coordinator, any level of football. You got a, a nephew or a son that's playing peewee ball. What's the quarterback doing, right? What's what's the offense like? You, you move up to high school, what's the quarterback play going to be like? Well, it's no secret that you look at some of the, the really talented teams that have won state titles, Gretna and Westside and Bell West the last three to four years they've had dudes at quarterback on top of a really talented uh, help around them uh, and then you keep bumping it up college you bump it up uh, beyond college you have a guy that has a boatload of starts and Michael Penix uh, everyone else is in that playoff as a highly rated recruit in Quinn Ewers, I know he went to Ohio State first, but transferred back to Texas. Uh, Jalen Milrow waited his turn and has uh, played through some pain, and and Bama's a whole different-looking football team. You look at McCarthy. That guy's a high school commit and recruit for, for Harbaugh that, that took a job away from a guy who took a team to the playoff in McNamara. So... Listen, three of the four playoff teams are guys that, that coaches identified, brought in, had talent around him, so it wasn't all on the quarterback. Paired it with a defense, paired it with great special teams against really tough competition, and guys were able to manage and perform. So what does Nebraska need? What do they have? What does a quarterback upgrade do for this football team? It makes them... Well, it, it, it first and foremost, bowl eligible. Second of all, it makes them a contender. It makes them a contender when you look at this schedule. The start of the schedule is key, obviously. And then the way you close and what have you learned from your early bumps in the road, potentially as a true freshman starting quarterback, and how do you manage that? How do you deal with it? And quite honestly, man, do you just take care of the football and then make a few plays to win games or sustain drives and not lose games? And, and that's it's all about management and risk and reward all the way up to the highest level. Look at some of the teams right now surviving in the NFL. Zach Taylor, they lose uh, a, a guy in 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 cool, you know, in Joe Cool Burrow, and and their backups come in and, and and navigated a little bit. Raiders still a nightmare. Russell Wilson's finally right, or at least looks somewhat right, uh, barring last Sunday, uh, looks right compared to what he's been in Denver. You get him with Sean Payton, big-time difference. Stroud, 
Texans, for God's sake, man, they're knocking on a playoff door with a, a rookie because they haven't asked him to do, mu- do too much. And then look at the situation in Miami. Again, NFL example, but look at Tua balling out right now because of the weapons around him, and he's comfortable. It's, it's comfort, it's management, and it's, you know, how many folks are helping with this heavy lift to me. So, bar none right now, Nebraska's better at quarterback right now, despite the departure of Chuba. as much as it'd be really good to have that option here uh, for Nebraska. They, they don't right now. Uh, and then the Casey Thompson shoe dropped. And on three reporting that Nebraska is not a portal option right now. Evan Bland caught up with a source close to the Thompson family uh, in his story. And Evan kind of laid that out there last night for us about Chuba being in the portal. But right now, yeah, he's jumping into the portal from Florida Atlantic. And uh, there's some uncertainty on if, if Nebraska was an option. Doesn't look like right now Nebraska is an option. My first glance and reaction, that's too bad. Well, here's the question with that in my mind. Is this an element of... There, fit? There, there, is it fit? There has been interest. The, mutri- the interest, at least in recent days, has not been mutual. Is that because Nebraska has another guy that they have in mind to come in and be a backup mentorship option? Or on the flip side of things, is Nebraska just not at a place in their rebuild where you can go lure a guy to come in and be a backup quarterback to a kid like Dylan Ryle? As we know about quarterbacks, quarterbacks want to be on the field. Are you just not they at a place? To, they have to be. Having not been to a bowl game in, in seven seasons, are you just not at a place where you can lure a guy to come in and say, hey, we want you to come mentor our, our next freshman quarterback? Th- that's a question that remains unseen. But to get back to your original point where we started this conversation, there is no doubt in my mind that Dylan Raiola elevates this offense. Mm-hmm. What the question is going to become through this spring and this summer in terms of of how is Nebraska going to be in 2024 is how much does he elevate that offense and how much does he elevate the guys around him? Because we've talked about enough. There are still some holes in this offense. I don't think you feel great about your running back room. I don't think you feel great about the experience of your pass catchers in the wide receiver room. Uh, the offensive line Still a work in progress. It's not there just yet. The question to me is, does does Dylan Raiola cut down some turnovers, lead some more drives, and elevate you to a point of seven games? Or is he at the point already where he can elevate the guys on offense around him? That's going to be the big question to me is, how much does this true freshman, highly touted quarterback actually elevate your offense? That's going to be the question of, is Nebraska competing for eight and four next year and make it to a solid bowl game, seven and five, or are they going and realistically competing with the USC's and the Michigan's and the Ohio State's in the conference? You mean seven and five USC? We'll see how they turn out. No, I'm just saying seven and five USC. Here's, here's what it really is with, with Nebraska. Matt Rule has said more than once, I'm not interested in a one-year dude. I'm not in, it's not that he's not interested, but if he had to pick – and this is how he's done his thing. He did it at Temple. He did it at Baylor. All right, let's play through the pain. <laughs> and then uh, it'll be all okay once you get some experience under your belt and, and away you go. Um, that, that's how it's worked. And, and by a year three, it popped. Um, right now, from a, from a patience and appetite standpoint with the Nebraska fan base, uh, a lot of not doom and gloom, but a lot of frustration about not getting to a bowl game while you were sitting at five for as long as you were sitting at five. That has shifted 
to excitement, energy, enthusiasm, because you've got somebody that can fix a main issue, which was quarterback play, and, and guys all took turns at it. And, and I, I got to say this about the guys that played quarterback and put the blood, sweat, and tears out for you as a Nebraska fan. Those guys in their career, while it may say uh, three or four next to their years in college, you have five or six total starts in his career by Chuba. You have a guy that wasn't even in the quarterback room in Harburg. So you want to talk about learning on the job and then also adapting to what you had, sometimes better than others, or maybe you tried to adapt and it was just a bad decision by, by, by the quarterback. So I think all parties tried to do their best uh, from offensive play calling to, to game plan to, to quarterback. You just had a green quarterback. The question's this, you know, uh, from a green standpoint, you've got a, a really green guy, but how far behind from a skill set and ability to, to navigate in college is a guy like Dylan Riola walking into this quarterback room right now compared to what you've got. And can he be a fast learner? Can, can he, his skill set and his abilities, can they translate early better? He's going to get the reps. Now, not having a Casey Thompson means you don't have an insurance plan if the kid isn't ready or doesn't get developed or Kalen's not ready or doesn't get developed. You don't have a, a seasoned vet available. But, but, but this but, is something we've talked about plenty. Not many teams in college football do. It's not the way you of got, the transfer portal. No, you got one or you, or you got insurance nine. policy. And I don't think Nebraska's at a, a place right now where you're at the place of luxury like the Ohio States and the Bamas of the world where you can have that insurance policy in place. Well, And even fewer places around the country have a, a grad transfer senior type of guy that's willing to come in and be an insurance policy. I don't think it's... I don't have a problem with Matt Rule going all in on his young guys. He's got 60-plus underclassmen, sophomore or better, and then he's got a boatload of freshmen or redshirt freshmen. And when we talk build, his idea is, all right, this is our unit, this is our group, we're going to all do this together, and it's, it's going to be a bit of a youth movement, and you'll roll with the punches. That's, that's the decision he's made. And, you know, what can can make that decision a little easier is if you've got a guy that's far advanced for his age from a skill set standpoint. We don't know how spring's going to go. We don't know how fall camp's going to go. And we sure as hell don't know how the season's going to go. But what we do know about what you got from a, from a talent standpoint and a work ethic standpoint, you put those two things together, it really kind of comes down to your coaching now. And so far, so good, despite not getting to a bowl game. I think if you're a fair Nebraska fan, you can look at Matt Rule and say, man, he did a pretty good job as you zoom out, despite the hurt of not getting to a bowl game with what he had to work with. And he got Tony White back. You've got a defense that really was electrifying. Now it's kind of up to the offense. And I think in a, in a second year, they can tweak that. He talked a lot about the 49ers. And that, that would excite me if I'm a Nebraska fan because you've got a guy in, in, in their pretty that is pretty solid but not a great arm, which I'm not knocking him, but he's got the talent around him. Can Nebraska get the talent around whoever the quarterback's going to be? We think it's going to be Dylan. 
uh, to, to rise up in their second rodeo. They're supposed to get better in their second season. Uh, and then pair it up, lead on that run game. You've got the one unit you got coming back on offense that is as veteran as veteran gets. Can you get your peak performance out of that offensive line? And one thing with the 49ers comparison before we get out here this segment is I do believe the 49ers have an offense in which their talent around Purdy elevates him, and that's no discredit to Purdy. I think Purdy is a film room warrior. I think he puts in all the necessary steps to kind of make up for the, the fact that he, he doesn't fits have him. the biggest he arm. He fits him. He fits him well. He watches film. He knows how to get the ball in the arms of his playmakers. I don't think Nebraska has the pieces right now to be an offense that elevates the quarterback spot. It's got to be a little bit opposite. Quarterback's got to elevate if, the guys around him. If you want to be a team that's truly contending next year. Ryle's got to be a guy that, that elevates the offense around him. Unless Nebraska goes and picks up some portal pieces, which doesn't look too likely right now. Maybe at running back. I, I'm okay with, with where Nebraska can go and my expectations. You know, being it in November, that's kind of every year. Brandon Vogel's with us on the way. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time at Hale Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Lager. Joel Klatt will hear from Joel at 440. Thoughts on Riola from Joel Klatt. Charlie McBride will catch up with us in hour two. Gary Barnett, his take on the Nebraska quarterback situation. Danny Burke, Danny Burke and Burke's best bets get you set for the NFL. Brandon Vogel, Mr. Counter Reed with us here. Counterread.com with Brandon at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. Vogue's a, a really good day for Nebraska yesterday. Uh, when you look at the recruiting rankings, 19th, 18th, uh, 20, 21st, kind of depending on, on where you span. But composite, Nebraska got their guy. And we were diving into, you know, expectations for for Nebraska a little bit moving forward with the youth movement. This is um, kind of springboarded on with the Casey Thompson news that, yes, he's in the portal, but per on three, it doesn't look like Nebraska's part of that. We were wondering for a while if if the insurance plan was Casey uh, since he's back in town or was back in town. Start off with just your reaction to yesterday and, you know, the, the flip part of this equation when you get a quarterback like Dylan Raiola. Yeah, I mean, obviously um, pretty big in, in terms of presumed talent level based on recruiting rankings, which, like, I know a lot of people um, may have a, a negative view of recruiting rankings, but, like, bar and la- by and large, they do pretty good. 
they're not perfect. I think the issue is, is that a lot of times we remember kind of the flame outs more than we remember the success stories. Um, it's just easier. That's, that's kind of the way it works. But when you're at a five-star level, whether that's a quarterback or anywhere else, like, yeah, it's, it's easy to remember the guys who didn't make it, but the guys that do make it are, are far more, are far more frequent. So that's big. I mean, it's, it's a player of the likes that Nebraska hasn't signed very often in terms of at least the time span we've been measuring this, which is basically reliably from, from 2000 on. So that said, you know, uh, the, the Chubba Purdy news was a little bit of a surprise, at least to me, um, last night. Like, it wasn't a surprise to me that one of those quarterbacks was, was going to go, but I thought it would come after the spring. And with it coming on the heels of Matt Rule yesterday at his press conference, kind of talking about, like, hey, we made this choice to, like, invest in development, invest in youth, like give the guys that were coming back and played for us this year um, the opportunity to compete for that job without somebody coming in over them. It's kind of like, all right, uh, if that's your choice, like totally fine. I get it. Um, makes sense to me. Well, now you're, you're in a spot where, okay, you've got Harvard coming back and minus that you've got, you've got two freshmen. Um, it's, it's very easy to sit here in my seat play kind of fantasy coach and be like, well, if it were me, I would much rather have a a little bit of insurance beyond that, but maybe they're not going to do that. Um, I guess we'll see. See, Brendan, my question with this is not that would Nebraska like to have some insurance. My question is, is the feasibility in this transfer portal era guys transfer around to go be starters. It's, it's rare to have a guy with experience, especially playing in football games in college football that, by the end of his college tenure says, you know what? I want to go transfer to a, a program that was five and seven last season to go and be a mentor. I question the feasibility of Nebraska finding a guy like that in the portal that's willing to come in and just be an insurance plan. Yeah, I don't I don't know that that that, that totally exists. I mean, if we go back to the um, McCord era, <laughs> which was which was just a week ago, um, like I don't think that was the setup. I mean, we could we could term it as insurance. I probably did at at various points, but it was like, well, this guy started at Ohio State, um, a veteran guy. It's like obviously he's probably going to be ahead of a Dylan Riola or a Daniel Kalen. Um, so you would assume that's the way that you go. Um, but at this point, like I, I don't, particularly with with Matt Rule coming out and saying it publicly, like I don't know that that avenue is open to to them. Minus somebody like a Casey Thompson, which you know, as 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 Chris mentioned, there's the on three report out there that Nebraska is not part of that mix. Minus like a very specific circumstance like that, where it's like, oh, maybe he wants to come back and eventually get into coaching, and he's been in Lincoln before, and we've seen that he's been in Lincoln lately. Um, maybe something like that where it's like, Oh, your, your ultimate goal here might be coaching. Um, but you could also play for us if, if needed, like that's like a needle in a haystack. So if that's truly off the table, which personally, um, I don't know if I'm ready to write that completely off yet, but 
we'll we'll see. I mean, Matt Rule was was pretty clear yesterday with with where he wanted to be, and I guess you got to take him at his word that like they are prepared, basically, um, to go into this season with Harburg and and two true freshmen. Based on what we know now, does that freak you out? Uh, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it's just me sitting in my desk chair, you know, your football playing, office, playing fantasy, playing, playing fantasy coach here. But um, I think Dylan Raiola is very good. Um, all of the, the data, which I tend to weigh pretty heavily just with how I approach things would indicate he's going to be very good, but like, let's, let's change the names and say, okay, Nebraska is entering year two of its rebuild with Matt Rule, and you've got a quarterback who, like, flashed some things but was clearly limited in some regards, and then you've got two freshmen, um, and we don't know that it, we don't know their names. It's not Dylan Raiola and Daniel Kalen. It's just two true freshmen. Like, how would it? It's like the locked characters in like Super Smash Brothers. Like they're just kind of like a, a black background. We don't know who they actually yes. are. Okay. Yes. Yeah. A, lo- a little bit like that. So, and, and, and I mean, you know, that's, that's a hypothetical. It's not that like, like I said, we have every reason to think that Dylan Rail is going to be a really good football player. Um, that said, it's just like, it feel it feels more likely than not right now to me that Nebraska starting a true freshman, a quarterback in 2024. So, so that's, that's kind of what we're talking about is like, how do you feel about that? You know, and I think it depends on the, the, the true freshman, <laughs> right? And you got a guy that is of that ilk with three of your four playoff team quarterbacks right now. Uh, but none of them started as true freshmen. Uh, so th- there is that. Now, there's always exceptions to the rule. And some of these higher profile where Dylan's been ranked – those are the molds that come in and, and can pull it off, i.e. a Trevor Lawrence, but again, eased into it, per se. And I don't know how much easing you're going to get. Uh, so what about flipping Nebraska forward when we talk about wins and the arms race of this new Big Ten? And let's not worry or talk about playoff because I think that's you might have a defense that could get you to a playoff. Who knows about your offense? Aside from your offensive line, you're really inexperienced at you know the other uh, six spots. Clearly, uh, running back maybe not as much. But when we talk about flipping this football team, you know what what's what's re, what's reality in your opinion here with a can't miss prospect, true freshman running this offense. And you couple it with the the parts you have. Well, I, I mean, I think the I think the outlook would still be good. I think the outlook would be for Nebraska to have more wins than it did in twenty twenty three. I I struggle to avoid it, <laughs> um, but I, I I don't like to play the schedule game because you never actually know. But. That said, like you can look at Nebraska's kind of like lead into this season, the first two thirds of it, and be like, "All right, you, you'll like their chances in that based on what we think of those teams now, and kind of projecting it forward." Um, 
also we we went through this in 2018 like adrian martinez true freshman true freshman quarterback was was pretty good i, I would say really good as a as a true freshman um in terms of qbr um Nebraska went four and eight, probably could have went at least six and six that year with a little bit, you know, a couple of different breaks, but that became the entire story of the frost era. Um, and kind of continued in 2023 under, under Matt rule, but you would expect Dylan Riola based on what we think of him coming out of high school to be a little bit above that level. If he is, um, then yeah, I think you can get where you, where you want to go, say, seven and a half eight wins somewhere in that range with with that schedule with the defense that nebraska potentially has coming back if you get your running backs to come back in a pretty good spot like that's all that's all within reach if dylan is just kind of good but a true freshman Mm -hmm. um you get more than that you can expect more than that you get less and well then you're then you're kind of back in the Six wins, like let's let's watch it each week and see if Nebraska gets bowl eligible. And it's just tough to account for 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 a player who has yet to play at this level of college football, no matter no matter how good we think they are coming in. And and to be clear, like I think Dylan is is really really good. Well, Brandon, uh, last thought here before we get you out about sixty seconds. Let's marry these two topics just a little bit. As you look at the offense right now. What is the, the biggest need that the offense still has? I personally don't believe it's an insurance policy quarterback, but I want to get your thoughts. No, I'd agree with that. I still think, um, like, if you give me a choice between a, uh, a quarterback who's going to come in and basically just be compete for the job versus a, a wide receiver who's a little bit more proven where you can plug and play, which we've seen Nebraska do a couple of times recently, I, I would take the receiver and, and I might even take, you know, a, a running back over that too. So, you know, there's, there's some of this where, where the quarterback piece of it is like, yeah, this just might be the reality of the era that we're in the reality of Nebraska's current situation. Um, but the, those playmakers either in the backfield or on the outside, I think remain by my biggest kind of wants for for Nebraska for this offense to get to get get up to where it needs to be. You know what? I, I agree. A wide out and a running back in your your San Fran college level. <laughs> I don't know about that. I, I I'm my <laughs> words. I'm I'm just joking. Brandon Vogel, Vogues. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. We'll check in with you on Saturday. Okay. Sounds good, guys. Thanks. There he is, Cato Reed. Find out more with the Brandon Vogel, CatoReed.com at Brandon L. Vogel. Joel Klatt's thoughts on Nebraska next. Hail Varsity Radio is live. Now, back to Schmitty. Schmitty's a great guy, but he don't have a brain. And Elijah. You want me to speak? When I point you again. On Hail Varsity Radio. Back with you, Tail Varsity, powered by Cornhead Lager. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We'll get to your stream comments here. Open phones here till 5, 489-1240. Charlie McBride, Gary Barnett, Danny Burke next hour. Reminder about your friends at Dyer Law. Let's talk workers' compensation. Are you confused about the options 
for your workers' compensation claim. Put your trust in the team at Dyer Law to help ensure that your rights are protected. You get the settlement you deserve. Call Dyer Law today at 402-393-7529 or visit Dyer.Law. That's Dyer.Law to chat with a trusted professional about your workers' compensation claim. That's Dyer.Law, 402-393-7529. The number to get a hold of your friends at Dyer Law. That's Elijah Herbal, Chris Schmidt, 489-1240. And we're talking once in needs to kind of get that flip, that acceleration for Nebraska football into year two. Uh, Rule looks like he's going young, either uh, picking between two freshmen. Doesn't look like Casey Thompson is on the radar any longer if he was on the radar, or Heinrich Harburg, who has also all of five career starts. So either way, uh, I think we're all in agreement that guy that's most ballyhooed is going to come in and could slash should win the job, but it's not handed to him. That's been made clear and underlined by Matt Rule. Uh, When we talk about wants and needs, right, you look at the experienced pieces, if I'm if I'm on offense and I'm a coach, give me experience. I I I, I want that. I want that around a, an inexperienced quarterback, and I I have that. I have that in the offensive line. That oh by the way, the quarterback's uncle is coaching. Uh, I want a running game. Vogues is right. You absolutely kick tires on a portal back if you're not sure about the health or long-term outlook for your two injured guys coming back and Gabe and Ramir. And you got to look at Emmett, who looked dynamite at times. They just need to give him the ball more. But none of those three strike me as your Big Ten workhorse. Well, we don't. I, Gabe Irvin may be the closest, but now he's coming off of two different lower I body injuries. Totally and I agree I with you. I think you worry about what he's going to be coming back. You hope for the best. But between those three, Emmett Johnson, Ramir Johnson, uh, Emmett Johnson, Ramir, and Gabe Irvin. I don't look at a guy there that strikes me as a that's a, a three down back in the Big Ten. I don't know that we saw enough consistency. Easy for me to say in the studio chair about running back rotation. Sure. I mean, you, you you saw Emmett max out at what seventeen carries. You didn't see Emmett max out at twenty five to thirty carries. Now it's a one two punch in about every school. Look at Michigan, how they split it up between Edwards and Corum. But still, you could lean on one guy if he was hot to, to get you twenty plus carries. So, but, but what does that tell you about how Nebraska feels about the running backs they have in their room? The, the, well, you, we're talking youth, right? And you know, Emmett Johnson was a redshirt freshman, mm-hmm. so going in as a redshirt sophomore, maybe you can feel a little bit more comfortable. I think you still look at Portal. As young as your receiver room is, and as, and as talented as some of those guys are, you got to go get a vet. I personally have running back at the top of my list in terms of offensive team needs as it stands right now on December 21st, 2023. Sure, totally get it. That's the number one spot I have because you look at a guy likely coming back in Isaiah Garcia-Castaneda. Uh, sounds like they're awaiting a waiver on Marcus Washington. Those two guys in the room make you feel better. Make you feel better about what you have in the wide receiver room. And let's be clear. Early in the season, wide receiver was an issue. As the year went on last year, something we've talked about, there were wide receivers running open. Yeah, the wideouts. It was a question of, of finding them. And I'm not saying that the wide receiver room was top half of the Big Ten. I don't believe it to be. But I think it was good enough to win football games. Yeah, it was more of an execution and back to your quarterback problem. right? We'll hear from Joel Klatt on Nebraska and what they can kind of become here 
in year two. How accelerated is Nebraska football with the right guy at quarterback? Phil Berto checks in and makes a great point. Young teams are brutal to watch. They excite the hell out of you with dynamic play, but drive you nutty with mistakes. Frost teams always played like they were young. Hoping that is different. I mean, that's that's kind of the story of last season. Like yeah. on the like, you you had one or two dynamic plays from the offense every single game, but they drove you nutty with mistakes. Mm-hmm. I believe with a freshman starting quarterback and the youth you have on that offense, you're probably going to see uh, some more of the same mm-hmm. next year. I don't think it'll be to the extent that it was last season, but like that's that's he's right. Yeah, I think you're hoping for a, a better ratio of dynamic plays to mistakes that drive you insane. But that that should be something that we should come to expect for next football season. Well, and real quick from Scott, inexperience doesn't excuse the fumbles, right? Can you get a guy that can make some plays and take care of the football? That's what you're asking in year one. Make a few plays, lean on the run game, hit a guy that's open. Let's hear from Joel Klatt. What does this mean for Nebraska? What does he think the Big Red can do with Riola? Kind of the news of the day, if you will, I thought landed on some key player acquisitions, and, and that's really what it is now. I think the first one was was Dylan Rayola decommitting from Georgia and ending up at Nebraska and signing that letter of intent. So obviously this is a legacy. He's got, in a lot of ways, Nebraska in his blood. And I thought that this is a, a big get for Matt Rule because you, you need a place to start. You know, he's trying to build something there, clearly. They were a really good team outside of their quarterback play. I mean, the quarterback play, guys, I don't know if we went over this. I don't think that we did. But, you know, I, I was taking some notes earlier in the week just just on on, on Nebraska's quarterback play and, and what it really was for them. And you look at the number of turnovers that they had. Here it is. I've got this. Uh, remember, I got my trusty notebook here, so don't worry about this. So they get Dylan Rayola at Nebraska. And you take a look at this team. They're a five and seven team. They lost four of those by three points or less. Okay. And in those three point losses, they committed 15 turnovers. That's wild. That's wild. I, I just think about it this way there are 43 teams that had less than 15 total turnovers, and they turned it over 15 times in, in, in those contests. So you you look at what this team could be, and and I tell you, they could flip this pretty quick. And if you get better quarterback play, that's the first way to do it. So when I talk about Rayola being such a big commitment to Matt Rule, it's because to me it's tangible. It's tangible for Big Red. If they get better play at that position and don't turn the ball over, then then watch out. QBs accounted for 13 of those 15 turnovers in the three-point games. They lost the turnover margin in every game but two this year. And if if this is a team that can cut that down, we saw great defense. We saw, I thought, some, some, some signs of what is to come from Matt Rule with some run game. And this is a team that could be pretty good. Okay, so look at this. Michigan State, they lost 20 to 17, three turnovers. Maryland, they lost 13-10, five turnovers. Um, they lost Wisconsin by, by a score, a turnover in that game. Iowa, 13-10, three turnovers, including that horrendous late interception inside of a minute. Minnesota, they lost 13-10, four turnovers. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. So, Dylan Rayola commits and signs with Nebraska. 
Huge. Huge. If he's as good as everyone thinks he is, and I think he's very good. I played one uh, camp in Detroit. Dominic Rayola, his father, was the center. Uh, got to know him well. I've seen him around on, on some of this circuit. I saw him at a, at a passing academy last year. I think Dylan is a heck of a player. Now, at the time, he was committed to Ohio State, and then he decommitted and committed to Georgia. He's moved around high schools quite a bit. I hope that he stays at Nebraska, and it feels like as a legacy and as, as a guy that's trying to build something that he will, and let's hope that he does. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Big thanks for hanging out. Hail Varsity continues on. We're powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. And uh, some thoughts from Joel Klatt right there. Really likes it uh, with what Nebraska was able to do to get uh, Dylan Raiola. That's for sure. And he thinks just from his eyeballs on quarterbacks that, uh, you know what, the, uh, the, the hype is real. And uh, Raiola could, could really elevate this football team and, and flip Nebraska into somebody that is – well, so they are a somebody in, in the Big Ten again. Real quick about buckling up. Use your seatbelt. It saves lives. It prevents injuries. Uh, only if it's properly worn, make it click. A message from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. Interesting to get Coach McBride's thoughts. Uh, Uncle Charlie with us in about 10 minutes. But just And it just keeps slapping you in the face. You start bleeding, and then there's... All sorts of handfuls of full assault thrown on those open wounds every time the turnover numbers are detailed. With Nebraska, time, score, turnover. 29th in passing yard, 129 in passing yards per game, 125 in completion rate, 130 in passing efficiency. That gets better by a little bit. And and things are, are okay for Nebraska. The thing that it's hard to gauge right now is just how good Dylan Raiola can be or or Kalen can be or Harburg can be early. And I know Harburg's got a little bit, but but it's still it's still just a, a, a grain of salt compared to a lot of these other quarterback situations and quarterback rooms. Let, let's lay something out, though. And why I think Dylan Raiola can step in and elevate this offense is think of the situation of a guy – Kyle McCord, who was a solid quarterback at Ohio State, was better than most of the country at Ohio State. He had great weapons around him, don't get me wrong. But what he was looking for in the portal was a place where he knew he would be the starter moving forward. A a guy that can get some film out, and in his final season of eligibility, you know what, the NFL scouts can come watch you. You're going to be on the field. You're going to be playing. He didn't feel confident enough in that at Nebraska to say, you know what, I think I'm going to be the starter there. I'll go transfer to Nebraska. And let's let's remember, we've talked about Jeff Christensen a couple times. Quarterbacks coach for Iola. He's worked with McCord in the past. I, I think Christensen's a guy that's familiar with both. You're going to ask, what do you like? I like both the kids that work for me. I like both the kids that work for Who me. Who would you but, draft? <laughs> but you also assume that McCord could go to Christensen for some help. And I'm just reading the tea leaves here mm-hmm. and say, you think Nebraska's spot for me. I don't think that there was confidence from Nebraska or from McCord's camp that he was going to beat out Dylan Ryle to be the starting quarterback next season. That's why he's off to Syracuse. What does that Fair. tell you about Dylan Ryle? The obviously, you don't know until you get a kid on campus and you put him up against Division One Power 5 opposition every single day, day in, day out, and practice, then get him on the field in the fall. But I think you can read the tea leaves there, and it can tell you what Nebraska has in Dylan Ryle. 
Brennan from the Black Hills chimes in. Can the quarterback play with a freshman really go any worse than our quarterbacks this past year, honestly? From a turnover standpoint, I, I guess it could go worse, but you're, you're not planning on it. Uh, the other thing to look at, too, is what Matt Rule showed his offense last year. He's willing to adjust. All right. Double H's strengths is running the football. Let's run some more option. T.O., draw this up. That's not going to go away. The ability to adjust and adapt to what talent you have. Hour two's on the way. It's Hale Varsity, powered by Cornhead Lager. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbal. Thanks for spending time. It's Hour 2. It's Hale Bar City Radio. We're powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Instead of a Monday, it is a Thursday with Charlie, Mr. Blackshirt, Charlie McBride, Santa McBride, is with us. Coach, Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. Thanks for joining us. How are you? Well, same to you. Thanks. I, um, I'm doing good. I, I really am. I, I thought that I that the weather would get terrible, but it makes me feel good. It was it was nice on, on signing day, too. Yeah, the, it, was, it was. The sun was shining everywhere. If you like red and white uh, on, on signing day. So, Charlie, you're, you're not a you're not a guy who's rooting for a white Christmas this year. We'll get one. <laughs> I mean, you know, that, that can't hold off around here, right? It, we get, we've had a lot of a lot of snow on and off stuff, but uh, not anything that is, you know, you can put your money on. Well, coach, I'm anxious to get your reaction with uh, Nebraska's <laughs> signing class. They they get five from Texas, five from Florida, six from Nebraska. Total of fourteen when you add walk-ons, and they get uh, Dylan Raiola, uh, top quarterback in the country. What does it say to you about a kid like Dylan wanting to be part of uh, trying to get the program back? When push came to shove, uh, I think that was a big factor for him, and and of course how special Nebraska was to his dad. Yeah, I think it's going to be a plus just having Dominic and his family around is going to make a big difference in, uh, you know, him that he's, you know, going to have that support that he, you know, he's probably had all through high school. And, you know, I think he's mature enough to be able to come in here and maybe, you know, I, I, I never want to say he's going to start right away or he's going to do that. I, that there's so many questions before that. But I think one thing is, is I think he's, uh, you know, he's he's mature enough, and he's, um, you know, has he's sat across the table from his dad, who's played football all his life and been an offensive lineman. And now, I, I will say one thing: I I had 15 years of coaching the offensive line, and there's something that happens with older kids; older responsibilities happen. Mm-hmm. And um, I really think if we have enough guys that have been around here enough, 
that really are going to take that responsibility on um, to protect their quarterback. And, uh, of course, you can't protect against interceptions and their fumbles of the quarterback and that, but that ought to be something, I think, if you get a quarterback coach, you ought to go find out, go back a couple of years and start there or three and find out what, what, were, what were all the things that turnovers. You know, what was really the – because, you know, you can find some things out by just making a film of just the turnovers. And you can find out that maybe it was blocking, maybe it was, you know, interceptions, the quarterback running with the ball, he drops it. Uh, you know, there's there's a, a bunch of things that can happen. And sometimes you zero on in some things that, you know, that are, you know, kind of coachable, that are really, you know, things that you can really emphasize when you're coaching kids, both offensively and defensively. I mean, it's... Uh, uh, you know, it's that's a number that you have to look at. I think. So that, that, I think though that I, I'm I'm really excited about. I am. I'm. I'm. You know, I've I've had a couple of rocks thrown at me when I was. You know, recruiting. I had a couple of guys turned down, for example, that, that turned out to be pretty good players, and uh, you know that hurts a little bit. But to see him do what he did. You know, it really makes you feel good because they went through the hard times with it. You know, they went with he's going to go here, he's going to go there, he's going to go here, and then he came out with what he really felt. And I've always said this in recruiting to the kids. They said, well, Coach, I'm going to come to Nebraska. I said, wait a minute. (laughs) You know, (laughs) what I want you to do is go out on the campus and just walk around by yourself and see if you feel right. You know, because a lot of times kids have a gut feeling that this is the place. And he might have had that a long time ago. And, uh, you know, when my dad went to a little school and I know I thought about it, you know, even though he went there, uh, they had a, they were Division three, and I still thought about, you know, maybe I'd be better off at a smaller school anyway. And, of course, we didn't have all the incentives that they have now. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I and so it's uh, it's different. But to have the whole family around, and I, you know, and, and I don't count those other guys out. I mean, you know, there's there's some there's some athletes there that are that are really good players, and um, I I just think the offensive line, the maturity of them, is going to really be a difference, and I think you'll see that. It's Charlie McBride with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, and Charlie, talk about that offensive line being able to protect Dylan. We're working under the assumption here as it stands right now, Dylan is your, your presumptive starter going into this season. I want to get your thoughts as a former defensive coordinator. It's, it's pretty common out there in football. You have a rookie quarterback in the NFL. You have a young quarterback in college. What do you do? You, you bring an extra uh, blitzer, one more than the O-line can protect. You make that young quarterback process quickly. Can you read the defense quickly, find the matchup you like, and, and hit the open man? Is that how you'd attack a freshman starting quarterback? Should Dylan be ready for that going into next season? Well, you're going to, you know, it's kind of funny because, you know, the more, the more, you, the more that I see, and and we already know, you know, uh, what what our quarterbacks that we already have can do, and they can both they can run with the football a little bit, and and uh, uh, Dylan can run with the football. Don't think that he's a stiff now. 
and it's not going to be just stand back in the pocket. I think that I, I'm not even talking about option. I'm just talking about, you know, being able to escape a rush and things like that. I think he, he can do that. And and that's where I think he'll surprise a lot of people, I think, with his, uh, with his speed and his ability to just avoid the rush and things like that. And, and um, you know, it's, it's those things that are, you know, that a quarterback has to face time after time is drilled into him time after time in meetings. And um, I think that has a lot to do with it. How how he's taught is is a is a really a big thing, and I think he's um, you know he's had some good teaching in high school. He's had good coaches, and uh, you know he's learned. I think he's learned a lot, and I think knowing Arizona because I lived there for a long time, and I was on the coaches, the board of the state coaches high school association, and I I know how hard those guys work at 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 quarterbacks and how hard they, they you know they have quarterback coaches in high school period mm-hmm. and uh and they have offensive coordinators they do they do it like it's supposed to be done and i know that a chandler for example is a that was a school that was down for years and years and all of a sudden uh the community grew up and they kids quit going to the new school and went back to the old school and that's where he came from and Chandler and and they got some they got some tough dudes over there and he came from a heck of a program uh you can say about all the other ones I know about Pinnacle and all this other stuff and I know the one he was at in Georgia also had good coaches and and were always tough and had players coming out of your ears uh, you know down there and um so I just you know, I, I just and and all the things that go through my head when you you know you ask questions. I, there's so many things that come up uh, that you don't have time to talk about. But uh, I think you're going to find out. I still think the key thing right now is is that the responsibility that the offensive line has, and I think those younger guys were learning, 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 learning worried about this and that and everything. Now they're worried about defending the quarterback. And that's a whole different can of worms because all that other stuff fits in. Hmm. And whether who the quarterback is, you know, it's really important. Uh, And if you have somebody to be able to help along, like another coach or somebody, it really does help. Charlie McBride's with us. couple minutes, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, uh, let's spend a minute on on Dad, on Dom, and just his influence in Nebraska, and and just the the story here of how that that legacy aspect was important to Dylan that he wanted to come back to, to where his dad played and help uh-huh. kind of pump up Nebraska. What do you remember about Dom? I know he played a season after you retired, but there's a lot of battles between your defensive linemen and Dom on that uh, O-line at center. Well, there's no question that the toughness is one thing, and 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 the the ability to play with a few nicks on you, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's the other thing. And offensive linemen really have to do that. You know, they 
they, they're already mixed up already. <laughs> but um, I think it's the leadership part of it the most. I think it's what the responsibilities that he'll pass on to him. What are what are the responsibilities? Because he had good coaches, and I and I think that you know he learned what his responsibilities were, and 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 he can probably tell you the same thing that the, the older he got, the more uh, he felt a responsibility toward toward protection and things like that. And that that's what I think is going to happen with these guys. I think you're going to find something you're going to smile at, you know. And uh, um, and I think there's a lot of kids that can tr- change that thinking part into toughness part and 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 get to be a very more aggressive and and uh, line. And then of course with a quarterback coach, I think you find out that. When Dominic was here, you know, he had Harris three guys watching the quarterback, and that was Tom Frank and Milt, and all the, every station they went to went to somebody. That and then Turner came in, of course, at the end, and there was three guys really working with direct with the quarterbacks at, at different parts of the field, mm-hmm. uh, but they were all somebody there, and they, I think that was really important. So before we get you out of here, I want to get your thoughts on a freshman quarterback coming in and earning their stripes. Is there a, a, a difficulty to that, a, a highly touted freshman coming in and earning the respect of the team? How does that process go down in your book? I think it goes to maturity. I think it goes to things that his, he's been in his mind. You know, a lot of these kids lay in bed at night and they think all the time that they have wanting to do that and you don't know where that part of him has been. I, I would guess that he's competitive enough to say, "Hey, if I get this order, I'm going to carry out. I'm going to be good at it." And uh, I think that that and that comes with maturity. It comes with you know uh, good coaching, and it comes with the right people. Uh, you know, spending time with him. And then I'm sure his dad. You know, I'm sure that his dad, I mean, his dad's been through a lot. And and I know when he was here, what I remember of him, I mean, he he, he didn't fool around. He was a tough dude. And he was a heck of a leader. And I'm sure that stuff is rubbed off on him. Charlie McBride with us. Coach, do you have all your Christmas shopping done for the grandkids and the kids? Well, it's just Debbie and I here. Everybody else is in Arizona, and we're going to hang out here by ourselves. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll we'll be here. I don't know. Uh, I might even get a, a bottle of wine, uh, you know, for Christmas Day, but uh, we'll see how that one works out. <laughs> <laughs> My wife's a good wine drinker, though. Red or wh- red, red or white. <laughs> Do you go red or white? She's the she's she's white one. I'm a red one. Okay. <laughs> well, then, <laughs> that costs more. <laughs> <laughs> well, then quickly, Charlie, tell us what's on the uh, what's on the menu for Christmas Day. Christmas Day probably bologna. <laughs> probably bologna sandwiches. <laughs> well, I think we ate all the turkey we had. I finished that the other day. Cut I cut it up. I I we had a. Christmas uh, Thanksgiving planned and it got turned down. Everybody that came and they had something else, all of a sudden they called and they 
So we had a 20-pound turkey here. We had to cut up and use it for sandwiches, and that broke my heart. <laughs> but those are some of the best sandwiches you'll eat all year. Those turkey sandwiches, get a little mayo, get a little mustard on there. Mm. Oh, everything. I, you got to put – I put the jalapenos on them. I put everything on them. Nice. Look at so, you. I mean, you got to change them and see what – you can't eat the same sandwich every day. It'll kill you. <laughs> <laughs> Coach, uh, we love you, and thanks for uh, spending time with us. Merry Christmas to you and the fam, all right? We'll check in in, uh, okay. in, the, in the new year. You guys have a great a great Christmas, really, with your families and everything, and give them all a hug. Will do. All right. <laughs> okay. Bye now. There he is, Mr. Blackshirt, Charlie McBride, uh, Thursday with Charlie on Hale Varsity Radio. And I love Charlie's secret to a long and fruitful life. You can't eat the same sandwich every single no, day. I got to get some jalapenos on it. But really direct info there great insight on you know what what will be the difference here if nebraska is gonna gonna ride with a freshman it is maturity it is accountability and uh, that's the build rule is going all in on uh gary barnett next on hail varsity and now and now back to hail varsity radio Back into it, it's Hour 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Cornhead Lager, the Hall of Fame coach. And he may be wearing a Santa hat. I think it's a black and gold Santa hat. Gary Barnett with us. Coach, Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. How are you? Uh, thanks, Chris. Yeah, doing well. Just uh, living the dream down here in Arizona. We've had great weather. We got a little rain yesterday, but great weather down here. So probably the best November, December, I've seen. Well, that uh, is rubbing it in. Uh, we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, soon, soon it will be uh, Arizona for, for some of us. And I'm hoping, Coach, that that, that good weather rolls forward because uh, my buddy I'm staying with down there in Scottsdale, he's got a pool in his backyard. And I know mid-70s might not feel like pool weather to a lot of people down there, but here in Nebraska I see mid-70s, and I'm thinking pool weather. Well, they got heaters in those pools, so you'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. No polar bear club for Elijah. Well, I got to get your reaction, Coach. You've seen a little bit of film on Dylan Riola, a late flip that this process started Sunday for Nebraska, and uh, they got their man. And I know you coached against uh, his dad, Dom. Um, I look at Nebraska and what this – uh, the impact has been nationally, the, the wow factor there locally, a lot of excitement and a lot of energy for, for Nebraska's recruiting class for 2024. What do you think, Ariola, Coach, as, uh, as this prospect enters into you know, a new world of college football? Well, I actually like both the quarterbacks you guys got, and uh, it's, uh, you know, it's going to be great competition to watch. Uh, Rayola just, you know, gives a lot of credibility to you in the middle of December, uh, you know, which, as we all know, doesn't mean a whole lot, but it uh, it's a, it carries into Christmas and gives everybody hope. But, you know, a, a 19 and 20 ranking says a lot about all, your whole the whole class. I think it really, uh, you know, Rayola is going to be a guy, uh, you know, the one thing you've sort of done with that is you're, you're staying out of the portal. Matt's staying out of the portal, and he's he's saying we're going to build with youth, and we're going to, you know, we're going to do this with guys we recruit. We'll add to our program with some transfers, but we're going to build it from the from the bottom up, and which is what he said all along. And I think it just gives a lot of credence to what he's been saying, and that he's going to do what he said he's going to do. And so, you know, it's uh, it just it just 
you know, everybody goes into the spring excited. You know, everybody will be excited. I don't know how many people you'll put in that stadium for the spring game, but, um, you know, we'll, we're just going to let you guys wear yourselves out see, in the spring, <laughs> and then we're going to sneak in to Lincoln in the fall and see what we can do. You're calling your shot already, huh? Or are you, or, or, or you not calling your shot? <laughs> no, no. I said if we see what we could do. Ah. I, didn't, I, I didn't make a prediction. Well, we'll have to get your thoughts on, on Colorado signing day here in a second. The the five high school players raising some eyebrows. I want to get your thoughts. But first, I want to get your thoughts. The news of, of yesterday, not only was it signing day, but Chubba Purdy has entered the portal for Nebraska. And that pretty much means, uh, unless there are some changes within the, the coming weeks for Nebraska, maybe a portal addition, that they're likely going to be given the keys to the kingdom to a true freshman starting quarterback. And not many schools around the country that have done that can say they've, they've given the, the keys to the kingdom to a guy so highly rated as Dylan Riley. But I want to get your thoughts on what it means to, to turn over your offense to a, really an 18-year-old by the time next fall rolls around. Well, it, it's, it, it sounds scary, and, uh, but if Dylan's everything that uh, it looks, appears he is and he's as mature as he seems, then it'll be all right. You know, really, uh, it's, he'll grow, you'll see him grow every week and um, – Really, both those quarterbacks will, and so it, you know it's 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 not as scary as you might think. These guys are so much further along uh, in their development as high school players, especially the programs he's been in. So it's uh, I think everybody knows it, and the, you know the players will be excited about it because they'll see, they'll see the first day how good he is. The first day he comes in and starts throwing around to the receivers, they're going to get excited. So. It, it, it's not going to be as big a problem as you think. He'll have growing pains. Everybody does. Uh, I'd be surprised if he doesn't. But uh, you know, it's it, you. You hired Matt Rule, and that's what he told you he was going to do. And now you know you're on the same uh, wagon with him, and so it'll be just fine. It really will. Gary Barnett with us, Hale Varsity Radio, Coach. What did you like about? the ability to, to connect with young quarterbacks, going with a young starter, and, and what drove you nuts? <laughs> well, you didn't sleep well at night just going, oh, man. <laughs> and you got to be careful not to sell your soul out on that thing because there's other players. You know, you've got mm-hmm. a team to think about. And, um, you know, it's not – your team isn't just one player. And so – the way you handle that one player has got to be the way you handle your whole team or the way you deal with your whole team. And so it's, uh, it's you know, the young quarterback, the, the first really young quarterback that, uh, that we dealt with, um, we played him a little bit but then started him in the fifth game and then he was in there forever, I mean, until he left. So, um, but we, we knew – we had to tailor our offense for him a little bit, but he was a bright kid and, and pretty far along and mature. And so, um, you know, if Dylan's as mature as he seems, both these kids seem mature, then, then, then it's, uh, it's a new world out there. You're, you know, you're playing guys younger, you're, uh, uh, the quarterbacks, the whole thing. And so you've got to give him all the attention. It's the whole offense now. And so, uh, you recruit him for this purpose, and now you got to put him out there and let him play. And so it's it, it's not as scary a thing as you might think, and it's it's probably not as tough a thing as you might anticipate. 
Coach, let me get your thoughts on, on Colorado's signing day yesterday. There was some uh, some eyebrows raised with only five high school guys in this class. They, they wanted to have six, uh, but that big offensive tackle, he's delayed his commitment up until the February signing day. So I want to get your thoughts. Does that also raise your eyebrows, only five high school kids in this signing class? Well, it, it's pretty much what uh, Coach Sanders said he was going to do. I mean, he's pretty much stayed with what he said he was going to do. He said he was going to be... 40% grad transfers, 40% regular transfers, and 20% high school kids in a class. And I think that's probably right about the right number. And they're hoping to get the sixth, as you said. But uh, that one just, you know, that I don't know what that is. We'll have to see. But, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it's not the way I would do it. It's not the way Coach Rule would do it. It's not the way some other guys would do it, but it's the way – Coach Sanders does, and as you know, uh, he's he's different than everybody else that's out there, and uh, doesn't make him wrong, and it doesn't make him better. It just makes him different, mm-hmm. and and so uh, you know we're going to ride that horse too right here. So it's um, uh, like I said, it's it's hard for me to fathom that that's the best way to go, but he's got experience and he knows what he wants, and and uh, we'll just have to see what happens. Coach, with the uh, prospect of, of, you know, this transfer portal era in Colorado, is the buzz is, is great right now uh, towards Dion, or is he still, still kind of a heavy hitter, in your opinion? How, how is Colorado's uh, reception this year, going into year two, do you feel? I think the diehards are still all in. I think the skeptics are continue to be a little skeptical. Um, where I think initially the first three games you won everybody over, and and then as the season went on, I think the guys who had doubts in the first place uh, get, got those doubts reinforced. But I think the diehards are, are all in, and um, you know they're they're they're. Still going full bore and, and enjoying all the changes that are taking place. Coach, let's uh, shift gears and dive in. Are you gearing up? Do you like this bowl season? Uh, and are there some matchups you're pretty excited about? You know, I, I think to me, uh, and maybe it's just my age and disgust with what goes on <laughs> at this time of year because they've the bowl games have been. Uh, you know, watered down from the standpoint of portal kids mm-hmm. leaving, not playing, guys pulling out of games, um, coaches, leave, you know, all that sort of stuff. Coaches being left out or leaving, and mm-hmm. so it's it's not what it it used to be, but it hasn't been that way for a while. And uh, the, trying to be a coach at this time of year just seems like the most miserable thing in the world. But um, <laughs> there's some really good Jeez. games. And I'm looking forward to those. And I, I really haven't geared in and started watching every one of them yet. Probably Saturday's the first day I'll really uh, start watching games. But uh, the uh, you know the playoff games, and I think what's happening when we go to a 12-team playoffs, the things that are really important are the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Now, those bowl games are important to the two teams that are playing, no question, and their fans. But nationally, it seems like to me we're just going – more and more and more, we're centering our interest on the on some sort of playoff system, 
uh, and 12 team next year and and the, the four teams we have this year let's dive into the playoff as uh, we won't we're off next week we'll probably talk to you after the new year but Bama, Michigan, uh, it's minus two right now, and then we'll get your take on Texas, Washington. Bevo's favored by uh, four and a half. Who do you like, Bama or Michigan? Well, I, I, I really, two weeks ago, I said I liked Michigan, but those guys keep shooting themselves in the foot. And, you know, just like today, they posted the fact that they're being investigated for the NCAA's investigating this or that. I mean, these guys, they just they make it harder on themselves every week. I think Michigan is the most complete team. I really do. Uh, that's only been tested once or twice. And, um, you know, Jason Milrow, or Jalen Milrow has just become a really good player. They just had to let him play. And so you, you probably never get bet against Saban in something like this. Two weeks ago, I, I thought Michigan was going to win this game. Now I'm not sure. Now I, I think I, I bet with Alabama. Texas, Washington? I like Texas all the way here, even though I'm a huge Washington fan, Michael Penix fan, Kalen DeBoer fan, Ryan Grubb. Uh, but I, I, Texas, person for person, may be the best football team. So, I, I you know, to see a replay or – uh, of the Alabama-Texas game would be pretty doggone interesting, I think. But uh, Texas has got a lot of firepower. Well, who do you like in a potential Texas-Bama rematch? I'm going to have to look at that, see who's healthy. I, you can't get me on that one yet. You know, <laughs> give me some time. <laughs> well, well, we'll give you a little time on that. More with the coach, Gary Barnett. We'll wind down uh, some thoughts with him. And uh, Danny Burke, Burke's Best Bets on the way. Hail Varsity with you on a Thursday. We're powered by Cornhead Lager. And now. And now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. Coach Gary Barnett is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Coach, I got one more game for you before we get you out. I'm coming down for the Fiesta Bowl in Phoenix. I booked that flight before knowing that it was going to be Oregon and Liberty. What does that matchup say to you? Should I sell my tickets? Is there any chance that's competitive? Can you sell it? <laughs> Great question. <laughs> you may want to sell I it. I'd find out if I could sell it first mm-hmm. and then, then – then mull it over because you may not have a choice. I don't know enough about Liberty to be able to tell you. There, you know, it always comes down to the team that wants to be there the most. Mm. This appears to me the Boise State Oklahoma game from nineteen two thousand whatever that was mm. six seven eight. Um, it, this feels like the same thing, and, and it's in the same place. So uh, Liberty wants to really be there. Uh, you know, Oregon's they're already playing without players. So it, it feels that way to me. Who knows? Oregon's really good, though. Last thought here. Coach Barnett's with us. Coach, your, your take on Florida State calling a special board meeting uh, with uh, their uh, regents, and they're still ticked off, uh, rightfully so, but they're going to meet with the Board of, of Trustees today and uh, no official reason given. But, I mean, they've been, they've been saber-rattling quite a bit towards the ACC. Is this the, the, the first step to the end of Florida State and the ACC? 
Yeah, I don't think there's any question about that. You know, you look at the top 25 classes in recruiting, Chris, uh, all of them are in the SEC and the Big Ten, except Florida State, Notre Dame, Clemson, and Texas Tech. Okay, now I don't know, Texas Tech's an outlier, but two of those, three of those, Notre Dame's sort of technically in the ACC, two of those are in the ACC. The other, and next is Miami and North Carolina. Those are all four teams who are most likely to leave the ACC and go to the SEC or someplace. Um, so that would mean of the top 25, only Notre Dame and Texas Tech are outside of the two power conferences. And um, I think that sends you a message right there. Coach, uh, have a great Christmas in in, the beginning of the new year with your fam. Thanks for a few minutes with us. All right, guys. Great being with you. Have a great Christmas. Good to spend time with Gary Barnett, Hale Varsity Radio. We go from some of his picks to how about the pride of Chicago, Burke's best bets. Danny Burke with us at Danny Burke Five on Twitter. Some NFL and some college thoughts. Danny, Merry Christmas, man. How we doing? Yeah, Merry Christmas to you and yours, both uh, you, Schmitty and Elijah. Thanks for having me on. As always, we're doing great. You know, we got a unique football slate to look forward to NFL wise tonight, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, and then uh, of course, bowl games getting in full swing. So uh, exciting times. Where can folks find your 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 picks, your advice, your columns. Tell folks about your website real quick. Yeah, BurksBeat.com is where you can find all the analysis, all my picks, ones that I've made in the past, ones that I'm making in the future. So uh, on Twitter, if it's a little bit harder for you to find or just uh, know how to spell it out, I'm always tweeting out stuff on the website there at DannyBurk5. And then in my bio as well, you can find the website, BurksBeat.com. So, yeah, I already have given out some bowl games from a couple weeks ago and then uh, plenty of NFL action for this weekend. Let's start with the NFL. What has your attention, the Saturday slate, Cincy and Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's been reeling a bit. Bills look like they're resurrected. And, yes, the Rams and Saints tonight, that's the the slate in front of us. Yeah, tonight, tonight's a really tricky game. I mean, look, the entire public is on the Los Angeles Rams, and I completely understand why they've been a team that's looked a lot better offensively and just better overall. And New Orleans, despite them being in a successful position, they're not doing it in a way that exudes confidence, right? It's not like Derek Carr has really moved the needle. But, again, this could fall into one of those games of, all right, it's a primetime spot. You know, over 90% of the bets are going on Los Angeles, and here comes a sneaky uh, primetime dog here with a little backdoor cover or something. That wouldn't shock me. But I I didn't play anything for this game. I would wait for an in-game spot just to get a feel of how the Saints are looking and if their car looks comfortable in the pocket. Uh, If you're looking for something with a prop, not that I've done it, but if I were to go with anybody, I'd consider either Tyler Higby with the Rams against the Saints who have struggled to defend tight ends, or Puka Nakua, considering he has gotten more targets than Cooper Cup, but, you know, Cooper Cup is still seen as wide receiver one, so I think the Saints secondary will lock him down, and that'll open up some opportunities for Puka. So that's where I would lean for tonight. Uh, speaking of tight ends, though, guys, I just did a video on this today with some of the props that I'm dishing out for this upcoming slate. With the Steelers and Bengals on Saturday night, I actually took Pat Fryer move over two and a half receptions. We talk about teams 
that are struggling against tight ends, I mean, the Bengals are the worst in the NFL. They're allowing opposing tight ends about seven receptions for 72.5 receiving yards per game. And he had his best career game the last time he went up against Cincinnati. That was a few weeks ago. Racked up 120 yards in nine receptions. Uh, 11 opposing tight ends have gone over this this entire season against Cincinnati, and I think Friar Moose does it again. So that's a prop that I had him to get three or more receptions against the Bengals on Saturday. And then for the other Saturday game I had some action on, James Cook over 23.5 receiving yards. Chargers are vulnerable against the tailbacks in the passing game, guys. They allow about 6.5 receptions for over 48 receiving yards. And since Joe Brady has taken over the play-calling duties for Buffalo, James Cook has gotten a lot more active in the receiving game. He's gone over 23-and-a-half in four straight games. So I think that's going to persist in la-la land for James Cook and the Bills on Saturday as well. It's Danny Burke with us here, Burke's Best Bets on Hale Varsity Radio. Danny, I see you also have a play for Dolphins and Cowboys on your website. But first I want to ask you about a uh, – a CMC for MVP story you've put up on there. Do you see good value in maybe putting down a, a bet on Christian McCaffrey to win the NFL MVP this year? Yeah, I mean, look, if there's a year for it to not be a quarterback, it certainly feels like it has to be this one, right? We haven't seen it since Adrian Peterson did it back in 2012, and every other year it's been a quarterback, and every other year except for the year Cam Newton won it, it's been the quarterback that's led the league in EPA, and Look, I'm not here just, you know, going, oh, I'm all crazy. I'm Christian. He's my only. No, like I also placed a bet on Trevor Lawrence before the season, on Tua Bailoa a month ago, and same with Jared Goff is a long shot. But Christian McCaffrey is finally getting a lot of recognition, not only from the media, which is incredibly important because they're the ones voting on this, but for the front runner, his quarterback, Brock Purdy, who was the favorite to win the award, is giving the credit to his own running back, Christian McCaffrey, that he should win it. That doesn't mean he's guaranteed to win it, and I'm not saying he's guaranteed to win it. But, folks, the fact that this guy is as high as 16-1 at some books, it's at least worth a flyer. Because if he can do extremely well in their upcoming matchup against the Ravens, who have a good defense, and does it once again and sets the pace and the records for all these categories, then he does belong in the conversation and if Brock keeps kind of turning it toward his direction there's already a large part of the media that's hesitant in giving it to Brock because of that whole game manager discussion and that he's not really making a difference which I don't really buy into that but it doesn't matter what I buy into it's about reading what the important people who vote on this are buying into and I think it's more so that the narrative of CMC being the top player is legit and so are his chances to win MVP so if you're getting double digit odds or better I think it's worth a flyer guys Danny, hang tight. I got a couple Sunday questions for you. Danny Burke with us, Pride of Chicago, Burke's Best Bets, joining us, laying out the NFL weekend at Danny Burke 5 on Twitter. Hang tight. We'll get some thoughts on San Fran and the Ravens. Also, some other Sunday questions with Danny Burke on the way. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Danny Burke continues with us. Burke's best bet at Danny Burke 5. So Sunday, uh, we circle one game, couple actually. That's Detroit, Minnesota, minus three. Miami, Dallas, minus one. The other one I have, Danny, Baltimore at San Fran on Christmas. Minus five, San Fran. Any of those grab you? 
Yeah, let's take it down to South Beach, Miami, and Dallas. Now, I, I like I was telling you guys, you know, I, I've been rooting for Tua because I have him for an MVP ticket, and I also had Mike McDaniel, Coach of the Year, at like plus eight fifty. I tried to have yeah. that a little bit with D'Amico Ryan, so hopefully he can still come through because McDaniel isn't looking too great anymore, especially after that loss against Tennessee. But look, guys, I'm back in Miami in this spot. Money line minus one twenty. I took it the other day and. I was looking through some of these stats, what really kind of shocked me. And look, I, I get it. You got to take it into context, strength of schedule, all of that. But despite Miami playing relatively an easier stretch of their schedule, their defense has still been improving and improving. The entire season, they're fourth in EPA per play, 10th in success rate. Dallas, as much as we always give them credit, they've regressed, relatively speaking, for themselves. They're sixth in EPA per play. 21st in success rate. And I dive into more and more of those numbers from week seven standpoint, week 10 standpoint, and you can see how Dallas is getting worse and Miami's getting better. Miami's first in EPA per play and success rate since week 10 defensively. And we know what they can produce offensively. Tyree Kill's expected to be back in the mix, and we know he is an absolute game changer. And I faded the Cowboys last week. I took the Bills, and there were a couple reasons. The main one is, like many people think, Dallas is, I don't want to say fraudulent, but a team that doesn't play well with pressure on the road, and they can't get their ground game established and put more pressure on Dak, and that's when he crumbled. That's exactly what happened to Buffalo, and that's exactly what's going to happen in this game because Miami has a very good run defense, so Pollard won't get anything going. Dak will be flustered. And then on the other side, Dallas has a weaker run defense. you got A-Chan and Mostert who can alleviate the pressure off of Tua, just like Cook did for Allen last week. I think that adds to another great game for their opponent, and that's why I'm taking the Dolphins' money line, guys. Danny, last thought here before we get you out. We really appreciate your time here on a Thursday afternoon. Brennan chimes in on the stream. He, he says his play of the weekend, a Ty Chandler anytime touchdown lock. Your thoughts for Brennan? Ooh, well, look, I mean, you know, I try to avoid anything called a loss, but Tyson Chandler is running like an absolute beast. And look, going up against this defense, it's been obviously a little bit weaker here with Carolina, or sorry, not with Carolina, uh, with Detroit. I don't hate it. I don't hate it at all. I'd rather do that than take the points with Minnesota. So I'll be rooting for him, no doubt. That's, you know, Danny's a real pro whenever he says, I'm not going to touch the word lock. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Danny, Merry Christmas to you and your fam, bud. Thank you. And do you have a lean real quick, Baltimore, San Fran? Ooh, ah, yeah. this is a tough one. I mean, the points with Baltimore is intriguing. San Francisco gets the job done, like I've said many times before. I think I'm going to wait for a better number, then look to pounce on San Fran. But I think it'll be close at some point. Danny, we'll talk to you in the new year, bud. Thanks for the time. Hey, sounds good, fellas. Merry Christmas. There he is, Danny Burke with us uh, here on Hale Varsity at Danny Burke 5. Awesome. We are going to say hugs, kisses, and thanks to you as uh, we start our vacation tomorrow. We have a... What do we call it? Encore? Encore presentation of our signing day special. It should be noted, you start your vacation tomorrow. I'm, I'm still running the best of show. Ah, well, well encore presentation. Yeah. So I'm going to be uh, <laughs> walking in front of Elijah tomorrow with a full bottle of whiskey and, and just, eh, whiskey? No. Uh, God love you. Thanks and best uh, to you all. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. We'll talk to you in 2024. A Huda Media Production.